I send you greetings on behalf of uh, my wife, uh, Carol, who uh, 25 years ago took our three little babies and bundled them up and stood by my side as we moved to Sydney, Australia, to pioneer a church from scratch, knocking on doors. I'd have the baby in my backpack going down one side of the street, and she had the two little kids on the other side of the street knocking on doors, and she's my hero. She's my hero. And uh, I just uh, send you greetings from her. She's actually ministered this weekend. She's preaching the, the Sunday. It's, of course, it's already tomorrow in Australia. You know that. Uh, I always say when I'm here in the United States, you never have to worry about tomorrow because it's already tomorrow in Australia. And I don't know why, but somehow the Lord saw fit to give tomorrow to the Aussies. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. Praise the Lord. Pastor, thank you for the invitation. This is such a, a privilege and a, such a, a sweet treat for me. And I pray this morning we could just share a few thoughts with you. And already I've just been overwhelmed in the, the communion we've shared together in the worship and in the praise. What a wonderful uh, heart in this team and what a wonderful heart in this church. I just feel so uh, touched already. And so I'm just going to share uh, the word with you this morning. Would you reach your hand out towards me, please, and pray for me as I seek to minister? Father, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for Pastor and his wife and his team. And I thank you for the great heart that's in this church, Lord. And I ask now you would give me the, the privilege, the honor, and the help that I could just take the water of your word and wash the feet of every man and woman and young person that's in this building. And that, Lord, today we would have met with God in a life-changing and a life-giving way. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to just share with you this morning what uh, I believe is the master key to the greatest life you could ever live. Uh, probably if another speaker was here this morning, he would share with you his idea and his thought. But this is what I believe with all of my heart is the, is the greatest key to living the highest life, the most abundant life that you could ever live. I talked this over one time with my kids, and I said, if I were to say that I wanted to talk about the, the master key to abundant living, and just one word, one word that would describe that key... I said, what word do you think I would use to describe the master key to abundant living? And of course, my kids, you know, Carol was so gracious to have all of our kids on Monday so that we could have them all in church when they were six days old on Sunday. And so they've been in church all their life. They used to sleep on the floor of the church, I'm sure like many of your children. And so my kids said, oh, dad, you're you're probably going to, you're going to talk about love. And I said, wow, that's a great word, but that's an all, but that's not the word I'm looking for to describe the master key to abundant living. Oh, faith, dad, you can talk about faith. Wow, that's a great word. And uh, dad, giving, you're going to talk about giving. I know, dad, you're going to talk about giving because you can't do missions if we don't give. And oh, that's great. That's a wonderful, but that's not the word I'm looking for. And so we kind of had this little, this little uh, competition going. And uh, I got three kids, and they were just kind of giving me word after word. And so I reached in my pocket and pulled out some money. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, the first one of you three that can give me the one word that I'm looking for, that describes more than any other word, the master key to abundant living, I said, I'll give you this money. Oh, it was on now. Man, I mean the word. And you know, they just never gave me the word. And I said, look, offer is open all week. 
And so you should have seen us at dinner table that, you know, through the week. We had Unger's Bible, Diction, Vines, Expository, New Testament words. I mean, we, I was learning words I never knew about, you know. And all week they kept giving it, guessing, guessing, guessing. The one word, the one word that I was looking for to describe what I believe is the master key to the greatest life you can ever live. And I just want to give you that word this morning. And I'd like to introduce it to you in the form of a true story. Many, many years ago, the great man of God, General William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, he could not attend one of his uh, 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 Christmas meetings with all of his officers. And so in his place, he sent a telegram. And in the telegram was one word. And it's the word that I believe describes the master key to abundant living. And so as the party and the leading leaders were all gathered, the little man arrives with the telegram. They open the telegram. They all gathered around. And here is what was written. Others. 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 A life that is focused on others. Living to give, to bless, to serve, to share, to help, to lift others. Others. I believe this is the heart of God this morning. I know it's the heart of the Lord Jesus. I believe it's the master key to abundant living. I know that Jesus is the key to abundant life. But I've known many Christians all over the world who have Jesus in their heart, but still live unto themselves. I, I mean, we've been, all of us have been in church life long enough to know, well, yes, Jesus is the key to abundant life. Yes, but others is the key to abundant living. The working it out, the living it out, a heart focused on others, living to give and to care and to share. You know, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 42, the Lord Jesus called the disciples to himself. And he said to them, he said, now, you know, the Gentiles, those that are considered rulers, he said, you know how they like to lord it over them. They love their position. They love the, you know, their name painted on the camel park places and the, 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 they love the high lofty. And Jesus said, that's how it is in the world. But Jesus said this, but as long as I'm the CEO of the kingdom of God incorporated, it'll never be like that. That will not be our culture. The culture of the kingdom will not be promotion and self and and bigger and climbing some kind of ladder. He said the greatness of the kingdom is in being a servant. He said the greatness of the kingdom is in being a slave to others, voluntarily serving, loving, giving, helping, and lifting. And I think Jesus was trying to teach his disciples that day something about this master key to abundant living. The great missionary doctor to Mexico, uh, to, to, um, to Africa, Dr. Albert Schweitzer, he said these words, I do not know what your destiny will be, but one thing I do know, the only ones among you who will ever be truly happy are those who will have sought and found how to serve others, others to the degree this morning that our life is swallowed up in the service of others, to that degree, you've truly begun to live. To that degree. Church family, the, the master key to abundant living is not 
get, 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 what's in it for me? What can I get? What am I, what am I going to get out of this day? That's not the key to great living. That's, that's the, you know, uh, the key to great living is the opposite of that. The key to great living is, Lord, what could I give today? Who could I help today? Lord, how could I share what I have with someone today? Lord, how can I bless? It is shallow, narrow, empty, little, shriveled up living that says, well, what about me? Well, what's in this for me? But it is great and glorious and godlike living that says, Lord, what can I do for someone else? Others. Others. Somebody has said this. People who live for themselves never succeed in satisfying themselves or anybody else for that matter. Come on. Can I get an amen from that? Jesus said in John chapter 12. In verse 24, he said, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, he said, it remains alone. But if it dies, he said, it brings forth much fruit. But how many know Jesus was not giving an agronomy lesson to these farmers? I mean, he was, you know, these men were already knew that. They already knew that. These men had known for generations that if they take a seed and put it in the ground, it would grow. Jesus wasn't talking about a seed of wheat. He was talking about a life, their life. He was trying to describe to them what life is all about, the principle of life. Now, I grew up in Arizona, and we were there in Yuma, Arizona, for for many years, and we grew a lot of wheat there. I think you grow wheat here, don't you? You grow wheat here in Louisiana? Have you ever done, have you ever walked out into a a wheat field when it was, you know, uh, golden wheat fields, and just taking the stalks and rub the wheat and got, got a few kernels in your hand. Have you ever done that? I can see many of you shaking your head. I've done that. You know what I discovered about a grain of wheat? I discovered several things. A grain of wheat, first off, is small. It's not really big. It's not really significant. It's just small. Second thing I figured out when I put it in my mouth and bit down on it, it's hard. Dude, I'm hoping what's cracking is the wheat, not some of my fillings, you know. It's hard. It, it's small and it's hard. You know what else I noticed? Once I kind of got it, it's bland. It's just really bland. And then the other thing I noticed is once I finally swallowed it, it was, it was kind of like a non-event. It was like not very filling. But you know, Jesus isn't talking about wheat. He's talking about a life that's lived unto itself. A life that is kept for itself, a life holding on to itself. It's small. Its heart can be hard. It can be bland. It can be unfulfilled. But Jesus said, but if it'll go into the ground and die, then a miracle happens. There's something about a life like a seed when it's laid down, when it's given up, when it's put in the ground. That's where the miracle happens. And family, we didn't design life God designed life. But I want you to know he designed it not for us to hold it to ourselves. Our lives are meant to be buried, put in the ground, died to ourselves. I mean, dig me a hole. If this, I didn't design this, but if this is the design, dig me a hole, baby. I'm coming in. I'm going to do a two and a half gainer. Whop, put me down there. Come on, bring the dirt. If this is how it works, I mean, I can't make it up, but if this is how it works, then get the manure, get all the stuff that causes all this stuff to happen so that my life won't be some little hard, empty, bland seed, but a miracle could come up out of that ground. And now there'd be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of grains of wheat because of a life that was given for others.
others. Others. I know many Christians, you would know with me, many Christians are like that grain of wheat. They won't give. They're not thinking about anybody else. They won't share. They won't bless. They won't let go of their pitiful little life. And then they wonder why their Christianity is so boring. You know what? Christianity's not boring. You're boring. I don't mean you. I mean, I mean the person whose life is totally focused. I mean, what's more boring than yourself? I mean, how miserable. You want to live a miserable life? Just try to spend 24 hours a day satisfying yourself. That's boring. That's miserable. Oh, church is boring. No, not church. God is boring. No, not Jesus is boring. No, no, you're boring. A self-focused life. That's what's boring. But some brothers and some sisters, and I know I'm talking to some this morning, they have discovered this thing. And they've said, Lord, here's my life. I lay it down, Father. Others. Not me. You know, four of the most liberating words I've ever learned are these four words. It's not about me. Man. I had a man suffering from depression in my church for over 20 years. And I did a whole series based on those four words. It's not about me. And that guy come up to me and he said, just that understanding and that concept released him and freed him from the depression that he had struggled with most of his life. It's not about me. I know this isn't all that popular because we live in such a self-focused age. This is the age of self, self-realization, self-actualization, self-promotion, self-assertion, self-defense. I mean, you just write a book today and put self somewhere on the title. It'll sell, baby. That book will sell because that's kind of popular. What's mine is mine and I'll keep it. And what's yours is mine if I can get my hands on it. That's the spirit of the age. It's not the spirit of Jesus, pastor, but it's the spirit of the age. But we know the spirit of Jesus when he said to those disciples in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give. To serve and to give, to serve and to give his life, a ransom for many. You know, when the God-man walked the earth, when the God-man put footprints on this planet, the God-man who could live any way the God-man wanted to live, he showed us the highest level of living available to humanity, and it was to serve and to give, to serve and to give, to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I tell you, family, the most God-like life you could ever live, the apex of living, the absolute ultimate life that you could live is like the God-man, a life focused on others, living to give, living to serve, living to bless, living to share, living to help, living to release others. Jesus came for others. Jesus lived for others. Jesus died for others. Jesus rose for others. Jesus ascended for others. And this morning, while we are here in this church, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for others. Others is the heartbeat of God. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I've thought about that many times. I, I have preached lots of sermons about the mind of Christ. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And you know, many times when I preach on the mind of Christ, I preach it this way. Hallelujah, I have the mind of Christ. And in the mind of Christ, there is victory. In the mind of Christ, I overcome storms and sickness and disease and devils and darkness and demons and divorce. And ever notice how all the bad words start with a D? Devils, demons, I mean, yeah, anyway. But I have the mind of Christ. I just, just have, and so in the mind of Christ, I'm glorious, victorious in the mind of Christ. And I know that's true. I preach that and continue to preach that and will preach that. But it's not the context of Philippians 2.5. The context of Philippians 2.5 is this. Let this mind, this attitude, this perspective be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he describes it. Though he was in the form of God, though he had every right, he humbles himself. He steps out of that perfect position of every right, everything is his. And he becomes a servant. And he serves even unto death. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ that Paul's talking about here is this mind. Pour myself out. Give myself up. Lay myself down. Go die for somebody today. That's the mind. That's the mind of Christ. And I know so much today of our Christian living, especially in the Western world, is the opposite. It's just, it's me focused. It's Lord bless me. Lord fix me. Lord help me. Lord prosper me. Lord heal me. Lord give me, grant me, grace me, glory to God for me. Hallelujah. Now that's enough of me talking about me. Why don't you talk about me for a little while? Because it's all about, well, me. I mean, really, you go to a Christian bookstore today, you download a lot. You know what? It's about me, me prospering, being healthy, blessed, uh, and all that kind of stuff. We just like that stuff when it's really about me. And I know that that is popular. But I want you to know there's a level higher than that. There is a place beyond that that is truly fulfilling. And that is when it's not about me. Because there's people on this planet, desperate, desperate, desperate beyond me. And I am the solution. I'm part of the solution to, to the masses of people and their need all over the world. You know, half the earth this morning that's about 3.5 billion people, live on $1.50 a day. Those are precious human beings that love their babies like you love your babies, that love their mamas like you love your mama. Human beings, human beings, they may speak different languages, have different cultures, but they're human beings. Half the earth lives on $1.50 a day. Don't you think this would be the wrong time for me to live self-focused when there's so much opportunity in the world that my life could help and bless. I notice it's getting a little quieter, but but that's all right. I'm kind of wanting myself to shut up when I talk like that, to be honest with you. I'm kind of going, oh, man, Lord, do I got Because normally when I got to say it, then I got to do it, Lord. The spirit of the world says, the more I get, the more I got. But the spirit of Jesus says just the opposite. The more you give, the more you release, the more you sow, the more you lay down, the more you got. The more you got. The world says, now, come on, Jack, back off a little bit. We have to be wise here. We have to, you know, we need to look out for ourselves. We need to build our little nest eggs of security. Oh, really? If 9-11 taught us anything, 
It taught us that there's no such thing on this planet as security. Come on, family. There is no such. General Douglas MacArthur said there's nothing on this planet that looks like security. Only opportunity. Ain't no security, family. But there's opportunity. There's opportunity. And if we're trying to look out for our own security, you know, I think the Lord Jesus says, look, why don't you just crawl up here in my little nest and I'll take care of you forever. And you just take everything you are and everything you've got and you give to live and you give to bless and you give to serve and you give to share and we'll be okay. God's not going to let us go under when we take his passion and his priority and make it our passion and our priority. Come on. Many Christians don't live to give, and it's not because they're not sincere. It's not because they're not genuine. It's just because they're insecure. You look at our economy, you look at crisis, you look at situations, and it's hard to think about living to give when many want to think about live to survive. But I tell you, there's, a, there's another paradigm of faith, And I know this would not be new to this church because I know this church is a giving church. I know last week this church gave money to a missionary that blew my mind when I heard about it. I know this, this church is, 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 is different. But so, so many today, we don't live to give because we just feel there's so little to go around. And it's kind of like a pie. You know, you take the, the, the piece of the pie. Okay, Lord, here I am. It's the new month. Here's my salary. Here's my finances. And here's the pie. All right, Lord, I'm going to give you 10% piece right there. You got one-tenth of the pie. The government, Lord, help them. They get their piece right there. My wife like them new shoes down at JCPenney's. They get that piece right there. My kids in school, they get that piece right there. A dozen new golf balls, and I got to get this. And, and then we got the mortgage. We got the rent. We got the lights. We got the gas. We got, and you know what? By the time, we, what we really need, Lord, is seminars on how to slice pie. Because how thin? How, what's the thinnest pieces of pie that we can possibly slice? And then pastor stands up and says, now we're going to take a missions offering. We're going, oh my Lord, I'm a missions offering. I got, I'm cutting pie so thin right now, pastor. You can see through it, man. <laughs> Live to give. Are you crazy? But there's another paradigm, family. And it's not, it's not, Lord, how much can I get out of this pie? There's another paradigm that says, wait a minute. My papa, my Abba, father, is the baker. You know, he, I mean, really, really now, really, if my papa is the baker, dude, I could give the whole pie away and still not, still not, to dilute myself of my, of my reason. You know what I'm saying? My, I still got, I mean, as long as I'm, as, as long as my daddy's the baker. You know, that's being secure. Listen, the, the real definition of prosperity is not how much money you got. It's how secure you are. Because you could be broke at any level of income. How many of you are making money now you dreamed about 20 years ago and you just broke as you was back then? Making the money you was dreaming about 20 years ago. Listen, prosperity is not about how much money you're making. It's about how secure you are. Now, if your job in the Gulf is your security, how many know one stupid little mistake out there can put everybody out of work for a long time? And if your, if your security is the bank, oh, dude, bank? Secure? If your security is the government, oh, don't even go there. 
But if your security is your father, your heavenly father, then you can be secure and you can enter into this apex high level of living where you can live to give because you are not afraid of depleting your resource. Come on now. I know this ain't how the world lives, but you know what Paul said? He said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Come on, why would I watch television? Let somebody over there on Melrose Place or Beverly Hills 902020997 tell me how to live. What do they know about happy living? What do they know about glorious, victorious living on top? Come on, they, I mean, they're all skinny, they're slim, they have nice little collagen lips. But what do they know about being happy? What do they know about fulfilled living? Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Get, 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 take, 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 mine, mine, mine. Oh, man, let Jesus fill you with a heart for others. You know, a self-serving life is just so empty. A self-serving marriage is empty. Two people, what about me? What about me? You're not looking after me. You're not looking after me. Me, 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 me. Dear Lord, you get two people married to each other who just can't outdo each other in loving and giving and serving Dude, go find that woman. Go find that man. That's see, that's now. If you're already married, become that man. Become that woman. Don't don't. You know, I'm not saying no. You're you're there now, man. You're there. It's a sealed deal now. But you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes people misunderstand. People people. You know, a self-serving job. Well, I go to work to get my pay. Man, I go to work and I endure it. So you know, I've had people come to the altar, pastor. Pray for me. What's up, bro? Oh, my job. My job is so... Your job? Yeah, I work in an office of 25 people. They're all a bunch of heathen, lost, fussing and cussing. They tell dirty jokes, and I laugh because they're funny, and then I feel guilty because I laughed, and it's miserable, Pastor. I got to get out of there. I got to get out of there. Pray for me. I said, now, wait a minute. You work in an office, 25 people? Yep. All of them going to hell except you. Yep. And you want me to pray that the daughter take his poor little puppy the baby little we take you out of there. Because it's tough for you at work. Yes. Dude, I pray God will nail your foot into that floor at work. You'll never leave in Jesus' name. Don't ask me to pray for you. Are you kidding me? That's my gift of mercy working, Pastor. I'm, I'm operating. I'm operating in that gift of mercy, you know. Come on. According to Jesus, we don't measure how blessed we are by what we have. According to Jesus, the real measure, because he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Receiving is a blessing. And I pray we all would be receptive. I pray you would prosper beyond your wildest dreams as long as you have a focus for your prosperity that's more than yourself. It's bigger than yourself. I believe in prosperity. I just don't believe in materialism and selfishness and self-focus and and drowning in stuff. I believe all that stuff is going to perish anyway. It's just stuff. It's just stuff, family. It ain't going to last. You're going to last. It ain't going to last. I just pray that we would not be seduced into this little moment of time 
that sets between the two great oceans of eternity. We're only going to be here a little while. Come on. We're not going to be, we're going to be there forever. We're only going to be here a little while. You know, I, I have a, an hourglass that sits in my office. Pastor, when you come to Sydney, you'll see that sitting there in my office. I bought it many years ago in New Orleans. My wife and I were on our way to Brownsville to the Pensacola Revival. And we, 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 we stopped there in New Orleans, had an overnight. And I found me a little curio shop somewhere down there in the French Quarter. And I got me this beautiful looking little hourglass. You know why I got it? I got it so that I could set it on my desk and turn it over sometimes several times a day and quote Robert Moffat, the great missionary to Africa, whose son-in-law was David Livingston. And Robert Moffat said this, you have all of eternity to celebrate your victories and one short hour to win them. I turn that glass over and I say out loud, Jack, you have all of eternity to celebrate your victories. You got one short hour to win them. And look, son, your hour is running out. Come on. You've gotten older since I started preaching. The more sand has gone through the glass. Did you know the Bible says a thousand years is like a day to the Lord? Do you know one time I did the math on that and I took a 12-hour working day and prorated and kind of did a little math formula. And here's what I came up with. If a thousand years is a day to the Lord, then a 70-year-old man gets 57 minutes. You know what, family? We're going to be here about an hour. A little more, a little less, but not much. We got about an hour to do what we're going to talk about forever. And man, if my focus in that hour is wrong, can I tell you eternity is a long time to regret stuff? Eternity is a long time to regret self-focus? I... Whatever you're going to do that's going to last forever, whatever you're going to give that's going to make a difference, whoever, however you're going to serve, brother, you better be getting on with it. Sister, we better be getting on with it. Many of you remember the movie Schindler's List. It was a disturbing movie. I don't recommend anybody see it. But the last scene in that movie is Oscar Schindler, who had kind of had this bogus factory during World War II, And he sort of employed about 1,100 Jewish workers and saved them from extinction in the the ovens. So instead of burning them in the ovens, he would say, no, 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 I need them in my factory. And had about 1,100. But he lives this very opulent life. And he doesn't even realize what's really happened until the end. And the war's over. Now these 1,100 that he saved are there. But all of a sudden, the gravity of what these last years, what it's really, what's really happened, really hits him hard. And he looks at what he did, but then there's regret in his heart for what he didn't do. I've got about a two-minute, 50-second clip. Let's just look at it for a moment, and I'll finish this message.
Hebrew from the Talmud. It says, whoever saves one life, saves the world entire. Somebody has said that we measure pain in two ways. The first is the pain of discipline. The second is the pain of regret. The pain of discipline is measured in pounds. But the pain of regret is measured in tons. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, at the end of time, as we stand there with the Lord, the Lord's going to be wiping tears away. I pray that I'm not living my life in such a way that he's wiping tears away because I live self-focused. I pray that we would live our lives so outward-focused so others-focused, so mission-focused. And, of course, the mission is next door, and it's also in northern Iraq and around the world. I just wonder if you'd bow your heads with me this morning. As we consider this thought today, others, others, the focus, 
that I believe the Lord wants us to have. The whole reason we've been filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit is that we would have the power to lay our life down serving others. 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 I believe the more we live for others, the less less focused we are on ourselves. And really, it's in that place that we can claim the scripture in Philippians where it says, and now my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That scripture came on the wings of a missions offering that had just been sent to the Apostle Paul. The church there in Philippi was focused on missions. It was fo- they were focused on Paul and his work, and they sent this offering, and then Paul sent this letter back. And in the letter he said, and now my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if our keyboard player would uh, come, please. And I just want to lead us in a a prayer uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, I ask you to speak to our hearts today. Lord, I know I'm standing before good people with good hearts. And I, I stand with privilege here, Lord, today to be in this wonderful church. But Lord, I pray you would help us to reexamine the focus of our life. I pray, Father, that we would not be wrong-focused, self-focused, but that we would take the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we would take the wonderful privilege that we have to live in the United States of America where we can make money, and even doing it tough, but way better than half the earth. And that, Lord, we would do good with what we have, that we would consider that we have 57 minutes on this side of eternity and then all of eternity, to think about, talk about what happened in those 57 minutes. I wonder if you'd stand with me this morning. And just before I turn it back to Pastor, I wonder if there would be a few of us today that would say, you know, I don't think my focus has been right. I love the Lord, but I just don't think... My focus has been right, and today I want to get it right. Today, I want to make it right. And maybe for you, that kind of a commitment would be just something as simple as stepping out from where you are, coming and standing here at this altar and saying, Father, I want to present myself to you today, fresh and anew. And I want, Lord, you to work in me a fresh focus for others. If that's your desire, I want to just open the altar right now. There might be a few folk that may feel they'd like to do that. You can always make a commitment right where you stand. But there's something sometimes about stepping out and being bold. And So if you want to do that, we just invite you to come now. Father, I thank you for every man and woman that's standing here this morning. Lord, I thank you for those that are still in the pews who who are standing there strong for you. But Lord, for these this morning who have made a fresh decision because of something they feel in their life needs to be 
refocused. Let this be a new day, Lord. Let this be a new day. May we step out in faith and live to give and live to bless and live to share and live to help and live to lift others, Lord. Jesus, may we see through your eyes. You said, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. May we see, Lord, what you see. I know, Lord, that you'll take care of all of our needs as we focus on the needs of others. Bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.